How dare you talk to me that way? You're so ungrateful and selfish. It's not what you said. It's the way you said it. You never listen to me. That's because you never shut up. Can't you keep that baby quiet? You can't tell me who I can and cannot date. Stay out of my life. I can understand why you are upset. God has always helped us. I know we can work this out. Well, good morning, Life Church. How are we doing? Good to see you all today. That's not our homes, right? Everybody's like, don't look at him, don't look at him, don't look at him. <laughs> well, thanks for being here today. Pastor Brian is out visiting some family in Minnesota. And uh, so we got us today. This is my friend Kristen. You heard her sing. Didn't she do a great job? Man. Kristen's on staff here. She's also, her and her husband Patrick oversee our middle school ministry called Fusion. They do a great job. And we've been doing this series called Bless This Home. So we're going to have some fun today. But let's first start with some prayer. Dear Lord. Thank you for bringing us here together. Thank you for your word and your message today, Lord. Let it be yours. Give us ears to hear and open our minds to explore what you have for us today. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. But when you came in, you received a program, and in there are some sermon notes. If you could follow along with me, that'd be great. Um, well, we, again, we've been doing this series, Bless This Home. Do How many want a blessed home? Half of you, great. The other ones are all good, you know? <laughs> I'm all set. I don't need no blessings. <laughs> I'm good. Got my pumpkin spice. <laughs> I don't know why that's out. <laughs> okay. Well, this whole idea of being blessed, right? You know, this, you know I remember as a kid, I thought, because I was raised Catholic, that I had, to, you know, I had to get the priest to bless me. And if I did a few things right and I, and I was good, and then maybe I'll get a blessing, you know. And that's not what it's talking about. Pastor Brian talked about the root word of blessing is happiness. You know, it's kind of neat, or being happy. And, you know, you ask yourself, what is your goal in life? What is your goal? What is it really? Our real goal, isn't it to be happy? Isn't it to be happy? Look at the next slide there. Isn't it to be happy and, and explore and just experience happiness? Right? Was, how many would agree? Okay, most of you good. I'm getting, this is going to be participation time, so I'm going to get you working out today, stretching. Our goal is happiness, you know, and I was looking at um, uh, what kids say, and I love what kids say about stuff, you know, especially young kids, and, and I read through a bunch of them, and you know, what kids think and what they say about happiness, and, and, and one of them, Sabrina, says, you know, it's getting a toy you really, really want. She's age eight, and David, age uh, six, said, a carnival and a roller coaster ride, because I can pretend I'm Batman, you know, and then Phoenix, age 10, said, happiness to me is getting playing video games and having some TV time and having a book I like. And, and I listened, I read about a dozen of these and all of them were about things. And then one kid said, happiness is hugs. Aww. Yeah, all the girls, they said, oh. <laughs> you know, and so there was one, you know, but a lot of times we in our culture equates happiness to stuff, doesn't it, or things. You know, I got a new cell phone a little while ago. And it was just cool. I found, anybody like gadgets, you know, you like things to play with? And I'm not the greatest at it. And usually, and my son's not here because he's in Australia in the missions field. And, and usually he would teach me everything that I needed to know about technology. And say, like, oh, how's that button work? Oh, that's the off button, Dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> or on button or something like that. But, um, you know, the, 
so I, I had this phone for a while, and I found out, oh, my gosh, you could do this and that, and had these counters and had these other things, and, and, and had a flashlight that was so cool. And I, I know, I just recently got a smartphone, so, you know, bear with me. You guys are like, that's so 80s, whatever. But, but, but you know, it was new, it was exciting, and after a period of time, it got not so exciting and new. Ever get a new car, and you get that new car smell, and it feels good, and everything, and you, you make sure you wash it, keep it clean, no... Take off your shoes before you come in the car. <laughs> it's like, you don't want it to get messed up. And then after a few months, what happens? <laughs> or if you have a new relationship. You know, ever, ever see some young folks that are in love? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> what happens eventually, right? You stay in that. He's like, one guy gets it. We're going to stay in love. You know? <laughs> but eventually, you know, things, if we rely on happiness or our happiness being with things or people, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. So in your notes, real happiness comes from peace. And the reason why real happiness comes from peace is this, is because I learned a long time ago that the people that were really happy in life had peace, had this one thing called peace. And they were just, there was something different about them. They had a peace in every aspect of their life. They made peace with God and also had peace with people around them in their lives. It just is interesting isn't it interesting that Jesus said when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, love God and love others. Why? Because that's what creates peace and real happiness in life. Now, again, the pastor Brian mentioned that root word, you know, a lot of different words in the Bible have multiple meanings and blessed means happy. And we all want that, don't we? But look at our, our, our um, notes uh, in our uh, handout here. It says here, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus said it's really important to be a peacemaker. Now, you might be saying to yourself, oh, that sounds great, Tom. And this whole series, Bless This Home, I would love that, but you don't live in my house. I mean, you have no idea what's going on in my house. My house is different. You know, I can understand that. You know, like Kristen and I, we have perfect homes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not. Um, but, you know, none of us have perfect homes. But he said, blessed are the peacemakers. And we're going to explore that a little bit. But you might be saying, you know, maybe you are a new parent and you have um, some conflict because maybe your mom or mother-in-law is trying to teach you how to raise your children all the time. <laughs> you know, or maybe you're having some conflict there. Or maybe uh, uh, you have kids and they just can't seem to get along in your home. They just, they're always fighting. or always at each other. Always, you know, and you can't figure it out. Or, or maybe you have a teenager or two. And I'm sad, right? No. And I'm just being funny here, but and you just, you're trying to you know, teach them some things and, and hoping they get it, then they just can't for some reason. And you're like, oh, frustrated. And it causes some conflict. Or maybe you are a teenager and you're like, oh, my parents have all these rules and they keep trying to control me and they, I wish they would just trust me. Somebody got that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Or, or, you know, <clears throat> maybe you're part of a blended family. And you're trying to teach things in your household, and maybe your ex is not on the same page, you don't have the same values, and it's a, a source of strife or conflict. Maybe you're an empty nester, and you're looking at each other like, who are you? You know, I'm trying to get to know this person, because you spent your life building a family and raising kids, and all of a sudden now you're just you two, and you're like, you like that? Ew. <laughs> Whatever. And, you know, maybe, and that causes potential conflict. Or maybe your kids are grown up, on their own, but they always seem to find a way to come back, don't they? 
you know, and, and, or need help. Maybe they ask a lot for financial help and maybe you're having to, and they promise to pay you back, right? You know, but those, those kind of things, and there's multiple more that will create conflict and create some strife maybe in your homes. I remember when my, um, and my kids, they're, they're 22, the oldest ones are 22 and 20, Tommy and Kelsey. And we had this uh, a living room when we had two couches and they were right next to each other in the corner. They touched. And then when they were little, they found out they could jump from the couch to the floor. And it was fun. Jump, jump. And then they figured they could jump from couch to couch. That was cool. Then one of them had the idea of how if they could jump, both of them, and jump in midair and give high, fly, high fives when they were going by. You know, I know who did that one. That was my daughter. She's like a lot like me. And so they start, and then well, you can guess what happened over time. I'm in the other room. I always heard this boom collision, and then the crying, and then the blaming. You did this, you did blah, 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 blah. and then what happened in five minutes? They're doing it again. They're jumping again. They're laughing. They're jumping again. Why? And it's almost like this crazy cycle that we go through in life, don't we? Like these kids, this crazy cycle that we think, you know, oh, things are going to just fix themselves, or this conflict, or this strife, or this issues that we have. They're just going to. It's all going to be okay at some point. It's all going to work out, right? No. Unless we do something about it, it won't. You know, the definition of insanity, you probably have all heard that, and doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, it's not going to happen. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, okay? Now, what peacemakers are not, they're not peacekeepers. Next slide, thank you. Peacemakers are not peacekeepers. Now, peacekeepers will avoid conflict in almost every, re, every way to keep the peace. They'll avoid conflict. They'll avoid uh, confrontation. They'll avoid issues. They'll avoid hard conversations to keep the peace. So peacemakers are not peacekeepers. And Kristen has a little something to share on that. I do. Am I on? Am I on? Here we go. All right. So I was your typical peacekeeper. I grew up as an only child and all I wanted to do was be just like a Disney princess and be best friends with everybody because why wouldn't people want to be my best friend? I mean, I was fun and I had a lot of toys because I was an only child. You could come over and play my Nintendo with me. It was great. And we would live happily ever after. It was wonderful. But unfortunately, growing up, I learned that not everybody did want to be my best friend. The day the animals didn't talk back to me was really crushing. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and I just remember being kind of the outcast in my neighborhood quite a bit. I was the only Christian kid in my neighborhood. So that made it hard for one. And then when I was seven, my parents decided to take me out of public school and homeschool me. And in 1989, you can do some math there, 1989, it was not a popular concept to homeschool like it is today. And so not only was I the Christian kid, I was the homeschooled Christian kid, and I was just the weird oddball, and people would make fun of me. The kids were just not kind. And I never confronted it. I wouldn't stand up for myself. I would just get on my bike and pedal myself home and go to my room and cry. And then I'd think to myself, well, maybe if I just stay home for a couple days, they'll forget about it, and I can go back out and play, and everything would be fine, right? Wrong. Wrong. I would go back outside and we'd play, and sooner or later, that conflict would come back up again, and I'd be finding myself back on my bike doing the same old thing. And it just wasn't fun. Um, and I kept that peacekeeping mindset with me. 
I just wanted to avoid the conflict because I wanted to be liked. I wanted friends. And as I got older, when I was in high school, I was the girl that everybody would call for relationship advice. Yes, the girl that never had the boyfriend. They were, I was the one that they would call. Makes sense. But they would call me if they have a boy problem or a girl problem, and I'd be sitting on my bed on my phone with the blue laser light and wrapping the cord around my finger. I'm so cool. And uh, things are great. I had friends. They're coming to me. They need me. But as soon as their problems were done, well, they were done with me too. And in my school, there were a group of boys who were not very kind to me. Um, For whatever reason, they decided that I was going to be their target. And they would say terrible things to me and tell me very frequently to just keep my mouth shut. They didn't want to hear from me. I went from being the most talkative girl in my class to hardly saying a word because I didn't like the conflict. I wanted to avoid it. And I mean, these boys could be cruel. I had one tell me I was so fat and ugly I'd never get married. I had another boy dump water over my head and laugh in front of all the other kids. And I stood there and let him do it because I thought I deserved it. I just wanted to keep the peace. I wasn't going to stand up to him. And this would happen over and over. There was a girl in my youth group who was a little older who actually told me that she got angry watching me be a doormat all the time. You know what? I got angry too. I didn't like it. But I also didn't know how to resolve it. And it would finally get to the point that I would just let all this anger and resentment and bitterness just build up inside of me that it would come out and explode. And there was one time one of the boys kind of got up in my face a little bit, and I was just done. I had had it. And that's where the advantage of being short kind of comes in, because all I had to do was, like, lift my knee a little bit. Kind of got him in that special place. So, yeah, at my breaking point, I would deal with it. But I didn't deal with it well, and things would get ugly. So eventually, I did get married to my awesome husband, and when we were dating, I loved the fact that we were polar opposites. It was wonderful. He's so logical, and I'm so emotional, and he's so quiet, but I'm talkative, so we balance each other out. He's taller than me. I'm shorter than everyone, so it was great. (laughs) He keeps his car immaculate. My car has no chance. So it was just wonderful, and I loved it. I just adored it until about three months into my marriage when it just got really annoying. (laughs) I don't know if anybody else can relate to being polar opposites with your spouse, but, you know, you start to grate on each other just a little bit. And instead of resolving it, I would just kind of have that self-talk going on in my head. I'd start getting mad and, ugh, why is he doing this again? And I'm getting really angry about that. And he is avoiding me. Why does he avoid conflict so much? And, (laughs) yeah, I was doing the same thing until the point where, again, that cycle would repeat and I would explode. And just blah, 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 blah. He had a nickname for me. He used to call me Anger Pants because I would just like, blah, let it all out at him. And it wasn't healthy. Over time, things would get pent up. And again, that cycle, just over and over and over again. Now, in nature, there's a particular root, and it's called a girdling root. And this root likes to grow under the surface and attach itself to a healthy tree. Now, from the outside, looking at the tree, you might start to wonder, why is this tree that was so perfectly healthy 
Why is it getting sick? Why is it starting to rot? You can't see anything on the outside causing it to be this way. And sometimes it can take years to really figure out the problem. Under the surface is where the problem lies. It's that root that's taking hold of this tree and just strangling it and choking out the life. And that's what bitterness does to us. Hebrews 12.15 even tells us to not let a bitter root grow in us. Because what happens with anger and bitterness is it does begin to choke us out. It just festers under the surface. And then it spreads. And it not only makes us sick, it can make the people around us sick as well. Ephesians 4 says, when you get angry, do not let yourself sin. And it goes on to say, do not let the sun go down while you're angry. What God's saying here is that we need to deal with and find the solutions to our conflicts and then move on. For me, it was easier to keep quiet and just let things sit inside of me until I'd blow up because I didn't want to deal with the issues. If I pretend they're not there, they'll go away. How many of you are a runner? Not physically, no, but just running from things and pretending. You know, that was me. I would avoid. i just avoid. But eventually, that little make-believe world I was living in would implode. And, you know, conflict's not comfortable. It's not. But what I've learned, and I'm continuing to learn, is it's way better to work through something than let that something work on you for the rest of your life. And, you know, I'm still a work in progress. I am not perfect. I will never be perfect. God will continue to grow me until I die. But I know with his help that I will grow and I can change and I can become more of a peacemaker rather than a peacekeeper. Fantastic. That's here for a Good job. Good story. So this whole, this whole idea of being a peacemaker versus a peacekeeper. Now, again, peacekeepers avoid conflict to keep the peace, Right? But peacemakers embrace conflict to make peace, okay? Now, that doesn't mean look for conflict, look for a reason to fight. It doesn't mean that. It's just when the opportunity, the issue presents itself, you deal with it. And now, first of all, though, dealing with this, it's got to be in perspective, these issues. First of all, we have to, and Pastor Brian and Raquel, I think the last couple weeks, talked about uh, having what's called a Christ-centered home or Christ-energized home. We are not just Christians, okay? We don't have a Bible just on our nightstand, just on the table somewhere. We actually open it up, don't we? And we actually read about it. We actually learn from it. Actually, God tells us what to do and how to handle stuff in life. That's being a Christ-energized home is using God's word. It doesn't mean that we just come to church and sit and listen, which is great that you do, but we are the church, which means we go out of our comfort zone. We say hi to somebody. We, we uh, get, get into people's worlds or we participate. We volunteer for a dream team and get involved in serving. You know, Jesus talked about it over and over again to serve, to give of your time, your talents, and your treasures. There's nothing like that. I mean, you get blessed so much more when you give than when you just receive. I know a lot of you serve, and thank you for doing that. But some of you maybe have never done it. Get involved. Jump in and watch it change your life. It's also getting involved. Maddie talked about life groups are coming up in a a couple weeks, I think. They're starting. It's in your uh, directory or whatever. And get involved in that. Again, because you will make some relationships. You will meet some people that you will develop lifelong 
friendships with. I mean, who can you call when the Ghostbusters? <laughs> when, <laughs> um, who can you call when there is an issue, a problem, you're having a challenge or have a question or struggle? I mean, who can you call? Yes, you can call mom or dad, maybe brother or sister, but can you call somebody that's rooted in the same Christian faith? Maybe you do, maybe you have that already, but maybe you don't. All right? Or who can you be a light for somebody else? I know when I got involved with serving here at church and also being involved in a, a life group, many years ago I started that process. I, it changed everything. I was like, wow, these people are cool. This is actually fun. I got to know some people, and I was like, wow. And I got blessed more than I can imagine. It changed my life. <clears throat> In Romans 12, it says this. It says, um, do all you can to live at peace with everyone. That means there's, it's action, there's intention, there's involvement, there's work to be done to keep the peace, okay? I'm hoping to give you a couple of tips. They're in your, um, in your handout. There's three ways to be, be a peacemaker or develop that. One is to tell the truth in love. Now, if you're saying, oh, I got that. I'm good at telling the truth. I'll let them have it. Well, that's one side of it, the truth in love. Remember Jesus at the well? with the woman that, that came out during the day to get water and he was there and he was thirsty. And if you haven't read it, read that story. It's so powerful. And he got into her world a little bit and he loved on her and she knew, he knew her life. I and mean, she was a train wreck. And he didn't condone what she was doing, the way she was living, but he loved on her. Just paying attention to her was huge back then. And he did say at the end, go and sin no more. He did he did say that he loved her, but he wanted better for her. So he told her the truth, but it was in love. It was in love. The scripture that, uh, in Ephesians says this, instead we speak the truth in love, growing in every way, every way more and more like Christ. Because that is God's goal for us, to be more and more like Jesus. To be more, look at Jesus' life, how he handled things, how he handled people, how he handled conflict or difficult situations. The truth in love. A couple of tips on confronting. Number one, don't confront during or confront during non-conflict times. Meaning, not exactly when the moment is happening. When your emotions are high, when the, when the stress is at its peak. You know, we were at we were at a date night here Friday night, and we had some uh, great uh, messages, and it was really a lot of fun. And one of the guys says, "When's the worst time to talk about the budget?" right after you pay all the bills because <laughs> somebody's in trouble usually, you know. We're going to talk about it right now because the emotions are high, the attention is elevated because it's right there and that's probably the worst time to talk about it. You know, this week, um, um, my wife called me and I was right in the middle of a meeting and, and she was frantic. I mean, I got voicemails and texts and I'm like, and I finally got to my phone and she's like, she had a car problem and, she, and I was like, I, I wanted to get mad because it wasn't that big of a deal in my mind, okay? I mean, the car was home. She was safe. Everything was fine, but she couldn't get the keys out. It was a minor thing. And I called her back and said, okay, did you do this? And, she, uh, and we figured it out, and it was over. And I didn't talk to her then, although I wanted to. I wanted to give her peace of my mind. But I didn't do that. I waited till later, and I said, okay. And we talked about it. So don't do it during the height of the conflict. That's not when you confront. Do it later. 
Maybe you say, no, I have to get it out. That's me. That's just my personality. Well, how's that working for you? <laughs> Famous Dr. Phil question, right? It probably isn't working well because, you know, I've proven it over and over again because I used to be that way. We're going to deal with it right now. And it never worked well because I was usually angry or something. Or the, again, the emotions were high. It was never a good result. So confront during non-conflict times. Next is confront the issue, not the person. If you're saying stuff like, you made chicken again for dinner, you're the worst. Now, you might not like chicken every night. I'm not saying you should or whatever, you know. Or you're such a jerk, you left the toilet seat up again. And the gal's going, he is a jerk. No. (laughs) But it's not the person, it's the action. It's what was done that was wrong. Okay, confront the issue, not the person. You always leave your underwear on the floor. We found out the date night, and one of the guys said, that's what, guys have a system. You know, if you leave four on the floor, there's eight in a draw, and you're good to go, right? You know, how your inventory right there. <laughs> then he said he got married and had to change. Okay, don't worry, gals. <laughs> so confront the issue, not the person. All right? And here's just a simple way of doing it. I know you don't mean to, but when you do this, whatever, or could you help me not do this, I would really, really appreciate your help. I know when my wife has ever done that to me, said, I really would like it if you didn't, you know, whatever, some weird thing I'm doing or saying or whatever it is. And she says it in love and says it with me and, and, and t- t- touches base on the issue, not about me as a person. I'm more apt to say, yeah, you know what? I didn't think of that. I'm sorry. I'll give it a shot. And I'll try. I'll even put it on my list in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. But if she says, you are a, and you did this, and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm going to do it even more. You know, I mean, come on, aren't we like that? Sure. Okay. Here's a little tip I learned a long time ago. Whenever you have to confront somebody on something, do it. It was called a sandwich method. Give them the good stuff, the issue, and then build them back up again. Because it does make a difference. Because I've been confronted on issues, things I've said or done, and and when it's been harsh, you got to, I'm like, you know, I'm just, I want to almost like duke it out. And that's just a feeling of emotion that wells up inside of me. But when somebody says, hey, man, it's a different thing. So again, confront the issue, not the person. Truth in love. Next thing is to apologize when you're wrong. And you say, oh, that's easy. I'm never wrong. <laughs> I used to say that. That's easy for me, you know, because I could always make everything be right. You know what I'm saying? I could always make it right or seem right or convince you that I was right. Right? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I was good at that. And I had to let it go. Just happened to me this week a couple times. I was in Hannaford. And I'll just, you know, I'm always in Hannaford. I know why. I just, I, it's like my second home. You know? it's like, I'm always in Hannaford doing something, getting something, buying something, whatever it is. And I love it because I see people that I know, either from church or in the community or whatever it is. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Well, I was on a mission because I only had a few minutes. And I ran through it. And I saw guys. Hey, how you doing? And I blew right by him. I was like, ah, oh. and I felt this tugging in my heart that God said, hey, you know, he comes to church too. I'm like, oh man, I really blew it. So I worked my way back around. I found him. <laughs> I went up to say, hey man, I'm sorry. I blew by, I was on a mission and I stopped and I took what, 30 seconds, 60 seconds and just got in his world. We talked a little bit. 
you know, and, and I just felt so much better. I was like, oh, and I said, I'm sorry. Three words that'll change your relationships. I am sorry. Let's try it together. Ready? See, you guys are good. You already got it down. It will make a huge difference. Uh, in our office, we have a, a, a few folks that are on staff, and, and we work together. And, and one of them, Candace, she's one of my dearest friends. She's sweet. She's from Texas. If you haven't met Candace, she's just a blessing. And, and she, her and I were talking. I had 12 things in my head. You ever had that? You know, I go, oh, I got all these things. And she's talking to me, and she interrupted what I was saying. And I immediately snapped back at her and said, if you let me finish... I know, I know. Nice, huh? And I just saw her eyes get big, and I was like, oh, shoot. I blew it. And I, and I, came, I, I left for a minute, and then I came back, and I, and I came back, and my tail was my legs, you know? <laughs> and it's true. I said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have, you know, and she forgave me. And we were fine. It was just a little, it wasn't a big deal, but it was, because I damaged our relationship a little bit. But I said, I'm sorry, and I meant it. It wasn't like when you're a little kid, and your mom says, you got to get sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Mom says, I got to tell you I'm sorry. That's not the deal. That's not what it is. Okay? Admit to a specific action or attitude with no excuses. No yeah buts. Well, I'm sorry, but if you would have, uh, you know, no, okay. No excuses. When you say you're sorry, apologize you're wrong. The scripture that comes to mind is in James. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's something about saying, I'm sorry. There's something about approaching someone and saying, man, forgive me. I messed up. It just takes, it takes, it just changes your relationship. And if you've ever experienced it, I hope you have, it does make a difference. And the last point or last tip is to forgive and let go. Forgive and let go. Easy, right? Maybe not. We're going to spend a little time now. Kristen's got something to say about it. I do. Um, but five years ago, God blessed my husband and I with a beautiful little girl named Brenna. Uh, doctors had told me that I may never have a baby, so she was definitely a gift from God for us. Um, she and I are very much alike. A lot of people say she's my mini-me, and not just looks, but her personality, too. Um, that girl just keeps on talking. She doesn't stop, and she's very dramatic. Um, I adore her. And you know what? As a mom, I'm not perfect, and I have messed up on more than one occasion, and I've probably messed my kid up a little bit, too. Um, You know, I've let a bad mood or frustrations explode, and I've been angry towards my child. And I very clearly remember one morning last winter. It was a Saturday morning, and it was one of the snowstorms that we got last year. It was blizzardy. And she was sick. She was coughing. She was sniffling. I knew something was up. Um, She was still happy. That's the thing with this kid. You'd never know she was sick by her attitude. Um, Turns out she had pneumonia. But we took her. I made an appointment with the doctor Saturday morning and was going to take her in to get checked. We get to the car. She's all bundled up. It's snowing. I'm a little frustrated just because it's snowing and I don't want to drive in the snow. And get her in the back seat. I get in my car, try to start my car. My car wouldn't start. So I'm feeling just that frustration rise a little bit. And not only would the car not start, there was a nice sheet of ice across my windshield. So how am I going to break that ice if I can't even get the car on to warm it up? And of course, my little girl's in the back seat, just chattering on, la, 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 singing songs, doing her thing. 
So I'm getting out of the car. I'm breaking the ice on the windshield the best I can. I'm getting back in and trying to turn on the car, break the ice. And I mean, I can feel my blood just rising. I'm just getting mad right now at the situation. And finally, I get the car started. That's great. But at this point, probably 15 minutes have gone by, and we're not going to get to this doctor's appointment on time. So I'm trying to find my phone, and i got to call the doctor and see if they can push back her appointment a little bit. And I'm just irritated. It's a small thing, but I got irritated. And then in the back seat, my little girl, while I'm on the phone, starts saying, Mom, Mommy, Mama, Mom, (laughs) Mommy, Mama. That was it. I turned around and just so frustrated said, Brenna, shut your mouth. I'm on the phone. As soon as those words escaped my lips, it was like, oh, why did I say that? Why did I let that out? Because I saw this happy little girl, just, I saw her face just fall. I wounded my child with my words. And that knowing broke my heart. I started to cry. And I got out of the car. I opened her back door. And I just got down on our level and I said, honey, I am so sorry. Mommy got angry. And I blew up. And I blew up at you. And that wasn't okay. And mommy is asking you to forgive her, please. You didn't do anything wrong. That was mommy. Will you forgive me? And you know what she did? She did exactly what I think God does for us when we've messed up and when we're broken and frustrated and we come to him and we're just like, God, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me for that? She took my face in her hands and this little girl started wiping my tears away. And she said, Mommy, it's okay. I still love you. And I forgive you. And I still think you're the best mommy in the whole wide world. Oh, she had to wipe some more tears away at that point. (laughs) But she exemplified for me just that amazing heart of true forgiveness. You know, she let it go so quickly and with so much grace that not only was she able to heal much faster, I was able to heal as well. You know, she didn't hold it over me. She didn't add on the guilt. Um, She just simply loved me through it. And it's exactly what God does for us. If we're going to be true peacemakers, we need to be willing to say, I'm sorry. Especially if we've done something that hurts somebody and be willing to ask for forgiveness. And the other half of it is if you've been wronged, you need to be willing to forgive. It's letting go of the right to be angry, even if you have a right to be angry, just like my little girl did for me. Fantastic. Thank you. So forgive and let go. The scripture in Colossians says this, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Oh, sounds great, doesn't it? When it's on a screen, it looks good. When you read it, it's like, oh, yeah. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? You might be saying, Tom, you don't understand what's happened to me. It's amazing. I mean, I do understand. I've had things happen. Kristen has. All of our staff, we've all had challenges. We've all had issues or things that happen to us that we'd have to forgive. And we have. Sometimes it takes a little time. Maybe you've been betrayed. 
by someone you love close, someone in your world. Maybe you were taken advantage of by someone when you were vulnerable at your weakest point. And there's countless amounts of things that maybe were done to you and you were hurt in different ways and you're still holding on. Maybe you haven't forgiven a family member for decades because they said or done something to you and you rightly could feel that way. I mean, what they did was real. What they, how they hurt you was real. I'm not discounting that. But you know who forgiveness is for? It's for you. When you forgive, it's you letting go of the burden, of the, of, of the, the weight of that hurt. Um, I've shared this before, but I grew up with an alcoholic father and and some of you might not have heard it, but um, at a particular point in life, I, I actually hated him. It wasn't just I didn't like him, I hated him. How he treated uh, my family, my mom especially, and it just really, I had this just anger, resentment, and bitterness towards this man. I didn't want anything to do with him. And, uh, and many years ago, he got diagnosed with cancer, and I just thank God that I had a year where he was, uh, I would take care of him and, spend, and other people did too, but um, I, I just was able to take care of him and got to know, and I started to see him, and I prayed about it, and I started to see him differently because I used to see him and my, I, I would just get tense or hear his name and I would get tense or just get angry or all these feelings would come back and, and I'd be ready to just battle or fight or whatever it was, if it was verbally or what, it, it didn't matter. I was ready to go. Um, I started to see him like God saw him. I saw him through God's lenses. different. And I realized something. He was just a sinner just like me. We've all fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. Who am I to judge him? And I fell in love with the guy. And he passed away. And I just thank God that I had some time with him. He got to know Jesus. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. I wasn't perfect. But I know I at least had time before he was gone. You never know how much time you have. There's probably someone that you haven't done that with. I'm almost guaranteeing there's some of you in here that are holding on to something and you haven't let it go. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you wrap up today, I'm going to ask you. God's probably put someone on your heart, maybe. Some of you that you need to forgive, that you need to let it go. Jesus said that we can do all things through Christ. We can do all things through him. And we can forgive. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, if you could raise your hand, no one's looking around, just raise your hand and say, ah, yeah, there's a bunch of hands, thank you. I need to forgive. Let's just pray together. Dear Lord, Thank you for this message. Thank you for the ability to forgive. That comes from you. I ask you that you help me to forgive and let go. Release this burden. I give it to you. I'm not going to try to deal with it myself anymore. I give it to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.